So I went to the park the other day, and I can hear the birds. Really imitate like, like a like a crinkly aluminum. Yeah. Like, oh fuck. A gun. <laughs> Just put in some really random shit. I don't even know what you just said. You know that song the the quick map? Oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just hear like some slight tapping in the background. I'm so sorry to Chris's mic because he's gonna (laughs) (laughs) sanitize this. He'll be all right. Are our levels good? Uh, I generally don't know. Let me let me check. You ready? Recording again. So you're welcome for that lovely intro. (laughs) Oh, that's gonna be included. Yeah, that'll be great. (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome for that. Some some for ASMR's sake. Yeah. You know, the go same to thing. sleep to it. Go to sleep. Hang out. Wake up the next morning. I never could get into ASMR. It uh, wears me out. I don't mind. It, I think it's soothing, but I. It feels like someone's laying in bed next to me if I try to go to sleep next to it, <laughs> and they're just whispering in my ear. I don't know. I I just feel like it's like it's like just porn for your ears. I can never like separate that. You know, like <laughs> just like the the sound of gulping. Oh, okay. yeah, ASMR so, has always made me feel like I, like I'm enjoying this, but also you're way too close but I, to me. <laughs> but also, they're like, are they getting paid? So a lot of people. That's are, incredible. Yeah. All you need is a fucking amazing mic, and then you can make. I don't know. I guess I don't know how much they make. But it depends that, on the, the artist. That sounds like quite a career. When uh, I think the reason like why drop I think, an ASMR album, <laughs> ASMR covers of like popular songs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Like a Redbone cover. For yourself in the music the moment you better never let it go you only get one shot do not miss your chance to blow this opportunity lasts once in a lifetime go <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous oh, i love it <laughs> it should be the first one something uh-huh. it's just fucking capitalize on that idea uh-huh. immediately fucking asmr albums when i first started looking around at asmr it was generally like a porn subreddit. Oh, like, right. like the first examples I found of it, it was a subreddit was just audio, and people would tell you how to jerk off. That's actually using that sounds kind of hot, honestly. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love the subreddit, but yeah. that's my first experience with it. So it's just kind of yeah, like, that's like fun. that sounds like phone sex. That's pretty great. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Some of these people come up with some elaborate shit. Mm. They got like hella production. Like, okay. I think the subreddit is called Gun Wild Audio. It's all like user submitted on okay. Reddit. You hear pretty, that? You hear that, yeah. pervs? Pretty fucking lit. That are into writing? <laughs> <laughs> People literally write scripts 
And then they submit them on the subreddit, and then like artists just go and they just go like, "Oh yeah, I'll do that." That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fucking great. Mm-hmm. So they get weird sometimes. Like, another writing idea. Yeah. There, you, there go. you go. That's another rhyme prompt. Mm-hmm. Write something sexy for yeah. John World Audio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, <laughs> welcome back to for writing's sake. This is our second episode. I'm here with, of course, Jonathan Smathers. And today <coughs> we're gonna. Uh, I think it's just kind of like a free flowy episode today. Yeah, uh, we don't have uh, a lot planned. St- I think we're still uh, kind of figuring it out. Um, yeah, I think so too. But I will say, I will ha- I will say, um, in the last episode, I sounded hella unconfident in myself, and still kind of struggle with that some. Right. But I have uh, been just trying to suck it up and just start, just plain out, don't think about it, just write. Right. So I've been writing a lot more. Oh, really? Um, every day. It's nothing really, uh, like fictional. It's just kind of like more journalistic at the moment, but mm-hmm. uh, I feel, I was reading this thing earlier, um, a news article about writing processes, and yeah, there are some techniques that other writers will use to help, I guess, with the actual act of writing, mm-hmm. but a lot of times people just do it because they need to, and right. it's just, it feels good, and they need to, this is how they express themselves, where they're free of, I guess, outside judgment or anything like that and right that that really kind of spoke to me like if it's if you got to think about it too much and it's too much if you if you need to know a bunch about writing processes then that's great but if you need it to the point where you i guess you need to feel inspired mm-hmm. then whatever you're writing is gonna just come out pretty shit and that kind of really spoke to me i think it, writing should the actual act should be what feels good, and I think I, I've, I guess for a long time, have always put pressure on myself right. uh, to have something like great to come forward with. Right. I don't always have that, the so, but I'm still gonna. To come up with but I'm still good. gonna write, and I don't know that 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 really kind of opened my eyes. So that's, that's been good. I've been doing that a lot. Um, been uh, I've been reading more, but I've been reading. I never really read. Uh, more than one book at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I'm reading like, I'm reading currently for like a novel. I'm reading The Goldfinch, mm-hmm. which is a really amazing book. It won like the Pulitzer Prize. What's it about? Uh, a boy and his mom. It's um their dad was out of the picture a long mm-hmm. time ago, but a boy and his mom go to a museum and um, I guess there's like a terrorist attack at the museum and his mm-hmm. mom dies. Okay. So it's really kind of a coming of age story. We, the whole book covers like eight years of his life. Okay. Um, I'm almost done, but it's going to be a movie, uh, next year. Okay. It's going to have Ansel Elgort in it. Oh, I fucking love that guy. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be cool. I'm, he's going to play the lead. So as I'm reading it, I'm keep picturing him. Great book. And I'm also reading, started to read Saga, which is like a, Really, that sounds familiar. It's a really popular graphic novel series, okay. like crazy popular. I only have volume one. I haven't. I've only read a couple pages of it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not reading like three novels at once. I'm reading like something heavy. Something. I'm reading. A, I'm reading a novel, like a graphic novel, and then I'm reading like a self help kind of writing book, which I always hear about um, as like everyone's go to mm-hmm. if they're kind of struggling a little bit, and it's like a bird by bird. By Anne Lamott. Bird by Bird? Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't so heard that's of a really one. good one. Um, it's supposed to be amazing, like if you ever want to borrow it. Sure. Did you yeah. start it already? I only read like the, what do you call it, like the prologue? Yeah. Which is where she kind of talks about 
like her dad because her dad was a professional writer. Okay. So it was really good. So I like that I'm reading that too. And I think I was referred to it by Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. He says he read it. I love the way he writes. mm -hmm. I think I like the way Joe Hill writes more than I like the way Stephen King writes. I haven't. See, I'm so excited. After the Goldfinch, I'm going to read Joe Hill's short story collection called Strange Weather. I only read. Just uh, came out. Oh, that's good. I only read his um, his novel called The Heart Shaped Box. And I okay. Yeah, that was I think that's one of my favorite things that I've read recently. I know Lauren's reading uh, Nosferatu. It's okay. like it's not about the vampire, I right? But uh, it's about something else. She said it's really good. Stephen King has some weird, sh- like Stephen King and Joe Hill. They just have like a weird writing. They're thing. amazing. Like every time I think that I find out about a book that either one of them wrote, there's another book coming out. She's like, oh, this book just came out. That's pretty neat. And then I find out they got like three more in the queue. Joe Hill seems a little bit more hipper, I guess, because yeah. I think he writes uh, graphic novels too. Oh, really? He's really into that. Nice. But I definitely want to check his stuff out next. He's pretty good. I read a fantasy book, and then I needed a f- I read American Gods. Did not really <laughs> enjoy it at all. It's a brick of a book, yeah. And then I needed, like, I needed something normal. So I went to a, a more modern story in The Goldfinch. So long, but it's what really kind good. of stories do you find yourself like more attracted to? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, it can be fantasy. It can be any genre. Nice. I, I read a really great romance book um, called Scott's Ark, written by a. It was written by a friend of mine's um, dad, hmm. and uh, you know, not really a. He's passed away now, but he's okay. not really a f- known for his writing at all. But that book was amazing. Nice. I think I still have it. I do still have it somewhere. But um, yeah, really, it, it's just all about the characters. It does. I'm not specific to a genre. Yeah, I feel like that's the way that most writing mm-hmm. should be, as long as the characters are interesting enough. I did. Uh, I'll have to show you one time. I um, I wrote. Uh, I didn't write. I <laughs> go to this um, warehouse in Asheville every time I'm there, and they're known for having this little corner full of uh like retro science fiction novels. Okay. And they're all from like, like the, fi- the, the 50s like and the 60s. And y- well, y- a little bit They're earlier. really short books okay. though. And what draws me to them is their cover art. It's mm-hmm. all like hand drawn. Oh, right. it's amazing. I'll have to show it to you. Anyway, I bought in the past two times I've been there, I've bought over 100 like probably 150 science fiction novels. Oh, wow. I haven't read one of them yet. <laughs> Look, if you open my closet, there's like 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 just a bookshelf. Just like when you come over, when you come over next, I need to. You can definitely look at it because I found some really good ones. I found um, <laughs> there was this in in that pile. There is this book that I guess ri- uh, parodies Lord of the Rings. It was written <laughs> in like the seventies. All right, it's called Board of the Rings, <laughs> and all the characters are look really hideous on it. It looks it looks hilarious. It's called Board like like Board of like the Rings, board. not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I guess just shitting on it, shitting on a Tolkien. Tolkien. Because uh, I have not read. I, I try to read The Hobbit, and I love the language in The Hobbit, but it also goes into so many descriptions of things that at some point I'm just like, all right, dude, Gandalf, you're losing me. Please. <laughs> I haven't really. I've never read the. I've never read his writing, but I know anyone that writes science fiction swears by him. Yeah. I think the the fact that the movies were so fantastic kind of veered me away from the books. I don't know. I didn't. I yeah. feel like I feel like they weren't going to tell it better than what I saw in the movie. I wish I had experienced the books before, before I read the, the movies. Movie. They've been amazing. Appa- yeah, I I, I kind of wish I'd, I'd done that too. Apparently, the Hobbit is the Hobbit is a really sh- it's the shortest novel, mm-hmm. and I I like the Hobbit a lot. 
but there were just times where I was just like, dude, my boy, Bill Boy, you got to move on. Like, <laughs> Bill Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Boy. It's just like, like, and th- that's my biggest gripe, I think. We, uh, oddly enough, we recorded an episode of FFS today as well. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about uh, The Fifth Element, which is probably one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. Uh, but the reason I like it and the reason why I have a really huge trouble getting into sci-fi is because a lot of people like try building up the universe for sci-fi really, really hard. And mm-hmm. like they give you all this like, oh, this society is like really advanced, but do they really love each other? Kind of like high concept bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like they focus so much on that that a lot of the times I'm just like, yeah, yeah but what's happening with your characters, man? Like there's mm-hmm. nothing, they're not interesting. There's nothing happening there. And so like I like sci-fi is that just like, the characters interact with the world that already exists and the writer is not like fucking punching you in the face with the way that the world works. Mm-hmm. And it says they show you how the world works by like the tiny details that the characters do, or, like what they, what they say or like how the culture is, mm-hmm. but with, within characters instead of like within just like someone telling you, Oh, by the way, in this society, it rains diamonds. It's just <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> So like like that's the only reason why I haven't read a lot of sci-fi or fantasy because fantasy and sci-fi are kind of like on the opposite ends of the spectrum, but they have the same problems with storytelling. Yeah, a lot of the times. I don't think I I think I lean more towards fantasy than sci-fi. Um, yeah. it depends, but I think sci-fi tends to go into this really technical jargon with yeah. all the planets and stuff, and usually it takes place on a, I guess a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite, sorry, I'm fucking exhausted because I've only slept like, what, fucking 30 hours this entire week? (laughs) (laughs) I got home yesterday from a shoot and I literally don't remember getting home. I I got out of my car and I woke up in my couch (laughs) five hours later. So, you know, it's that kind of (laughs) week. It's all good. Yeah, but uh, what was I saying? Uh, I was was talking about science fiction. And fantasy, yeah. But like science fiction's real heavy on... And the jargon. Jargon and the, yeah. the ships. I, I I like science fiction that just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like it's not trying to be, like, bigger than itself. Like, uh, my favorite science fiction book is, uh, uh, what's this kind? Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Douglas okay. Adams. That's my favorite science fiction. I've never, I've always yeah. heard about that. I've never read it. Never watched the movie either. Uh, it's meant to be, like a, like, a parody of science fiction, which is the thing is why I like it. Because I kind of like people that participate in the genre that they're making fun of. Mm-hmm. Like Edgar Wright, I just fucking love like Baby Driver, which is a parody of action summer movies, and mm-hmm. I loved it. <laughs> uh, and so like like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy does that a lot, where it's just kind of like, oh, we're making fun of how stupid your fucking settings are by showing you how stupid they are by <laughs> just exaggerating it to the nth degree. Yeah, and I I love that kind of shit because it just it just always makes me laugh. <laughs> I really want to watch it. I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, the book's really the book's really good too. Okay. Um, but so you've been writing more journal stuff. What what have you been reading about, like the writing process and, and all this stuff? Um, like what are my writing processes? Yeah, I'm I'm really fascinated by like people's writing processes it's, and like what they read. That's the thing. Uh, it's very interesting to hear other people's writing processes. But as far as having my own, um, it's it I, I it's really hard to say like what exactly I do. Right. Um. I have the same problem. It's more of a, a stubbornness with myself. Like I, if I feel like I'm not writing, like if I feel like it, if I've gone through, because my current job, it's very, there's a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this downtime, I will just feel like, well, 
I'm gonna just write right now. So mm-hmm. I've only I've always written it. I've been writing at work okay. every day, and I feel you know very blessed to have a job that gives me time to do that. But um, as far as a, a process, it's really just um, just needing to do it and, and having it done it. But uh, yeah, I I and I, 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 I and I liked that article I had read about just doing it too. That also really helped when I was at work. Yeah, that's but always I, been my philosophy that you need to just kind of get up and do it and just mm-hmm. like just fucking do it. Um, but I've been having a lot of trouble lately with like I want to build a writing schedule. Well, I, I sit down and I write for like an hour a day or two yeah. hours a day because that's ideally the way that I want to do it because it implies that for two hours a day, everybody can fuck off. I'm going to write and this, that's just the deal that you're going to get for two hours a day. I am unavailable, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just so fucking difficult with the lifestyle I have right now because it's everything's up in the air. So like there's never a solid time when I'm just like, I have five hour blocks that I'm not doing anything. I'm going to take two hours out of that five hours and do that. I'm like at school, I'm like working on something. I'm looking at a photo shoot or I'm like doing whatever. You still have a lot of free time. It's not that I don't have a lot of free time, but it's the free time that I do have is spent disengaging from such exhausting activities. Yeah. That by the time that I'm like sitting on my couch, I just want to cuddle inside a blanket. See, I don't think I have a process mm-hmm. per se, but I definitely have requirements for my, like where I am when mm-hmm. I'm writing. And I don't know how people uh, could, I think you do this, but could, and kudos to anyone that can, yeah. but I can't write to music. Yeah. Um, maybe even if it's the low key stuff, there's yeah, just something stuff. about if there is something else coming into my ears, I can't, the words disconnect. Yeah, maybe like. that also kind of ties into me putting too much pressure on myself originally. Mm-hmm. So maybe the music thing will come around. But I I need to, uh, I have to just leave my phone in a completely other room because yeah. the temptation's always there. And Th- that's what I've been doing recently, though. Like, I've been just, like, eating my phone and I, just I, throwing it. I, perm- I, I, don't, I don't use it enough to care mm-hmm. about it. So I, I permanently deleted, like, my Snapchat Good. and my Facebook. Um I really I enjoy having a I enjoy having like Instagram and stuff, but uh, I leave that if I feel like I'm on it too much. I have yeah. a tendency if I get on like a social media app, I'm the, you leave it, the yeah. dopamine is just <laughs> pungent. It's See, a, I'm like like uh, I'm ultimately like despite social anxiety and like the fact that I'm just particularly uncomfortable around people, which has been getting a lot better recently. I've been getting I think I've just been getting angrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, added so whenever someone tries to make me uncomfortable my response was just to back away and now it's to make them uncomfortable wait people getting you uncomfortable how so just like when people like try to like obviously manipulate a situation so that they're the ones that are kind of like in control of the situation or like they just want a confrontation that's seemingly pointless about something or they're mm-hmm. saying something weird yeah or they do something bizarre like try to hit on a girl that you're talking to as friends and they walk in and they try to hit on her and that's an awkward situation just in general because mm-hmm. you want to be like, yeah, dude, fuck off. But you don't want to you don't want to be like, you know, there's just a lot of variables that make you uncomfortable in, in situations when people walk in and you're already doing your thing. Yeah. So like that used to make me so uncomfortable to the point where I would just kind of like just back away and just like kind of mm-hmm. gross. But now I, I, I've gotten angrier at it and now mm-hmm. I respond back by making them more uncomfortable than they're trying to make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped a lot with like social anxiety and whatever. So I've become a genuinely more social person. But more vocal about your 
feelings about stuff. Yeah, like if someone's making me uncomfortable, I'm now a lot more comfortable going like, yeah, no, stop. I don't like that. (laughs) I've always been uh, very upfront with people. um, Kind of too upfront. uh, Right. Too too confrontational. I feel like I have uh, naturally been kind of an an angry person for the majority of my life, especially in my later teenage years. Like I had a bad temper problem. And so uh, I'll get, I'll have, I'll be raging mad some days (laughs) for no reason. Yeah, same. Uh, And I've gone through all the, maybe it was like anxiety when I was at my old job and, you know, I took medicine for that, but that wasn't really like, the best solution I needed to have like a, a better lifestyle. And I've realized that if I'm working on in some sort of creative field, I definitely feel uh, my temper tapers off. Yeah. I, I like how I feel when I have, because um, you have ma- an made stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if I'm not doing it, I feel like I'm just, my life is heading in no good direction but it's just it's weird it's kind of like a spiral down into like it's more of the pre- it's just and also the pressure i put yeah. on myself i just make myself fucking angry all the time it makes yeah. no sense so but That's i do know if i even if i don't even want to write mm-hmm. on this day if i just do it then i will feel 100 percent better and i also have been wanting to exercise more and i fucking hate the process of walking to the gym yeah. which is 20 feet away from me but i know <laughs> once i have done it i will be so happy because you've and been glad there. i did it so yeah. I, I try to approach writing the exact same way as exercise yeah i i, I try to, i try to do it i try to do it that way too where i just kind of like well, i just gotta sit down and, and, and write but sometimes genuinely and this happens a lot of the times. But what, what I was heading to say is that because I've been sort of being more social as a person, mm-hmm. the idea of writing in a non-social setting, because writing is a solitary thing. I do much better when we're writing in a collaborative setting. I need to experience and, that. And like in a writer's room, mm-hmm. I love that feeling because people are thinking, people are moving, hands are moving, uh, mm-hmm. keyboards are clacking, and you hear it, you see the idea sort of take shape from like the first hour you walked in but into the, the last hour that you left. And and so I like that process a lot, but writing solitarily, uh, I feel like makes me anxious again because now the relationship between me and the words that are coming out on the page are a lot more intimate than whether if it's just me talking with a group of people, writing things out on the page and then s- slowly start crossing them out and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like so, the, the the process between writing collaboratively and writing singularly. For me, are at odds against each other because I'm, uh, uh, despite me being socially anxious and, and, and not wanting to interact with a lot of people, the process of writing is improved significantly by writing with other people, mm-hmm. and that's always a weird thing to get because a lot of uh, a lot of people in our, you know, like local friend group, are predominantly creative type people, mm-hmm. but they're not writers, so I don't have a lot of writers near me. So, like, pick a day out of the week and then just, like, sit down and somewhere and write. And even if we're not talking to each other, the idea of having another person that's, like, right next to me. Not even the same the same idea, just in their own room. Like a write-in, what you said you did. You sat with a friend and you just wrote. She wrote her thing. or It was was a novel, yeah. She wrote a novel. I wrote 11 pages of a script. See, that's fun. And that worked out really well because the there was no... Solitary. I feel like if I'm alone in a room, the f- the walls start getting tighter mm-hmm. at some point, and after you hear the, you start hearing the the typewriter slow down, and you sort of feel the pressure to like, you know, do more than your 
emotionally able to do that day. Yeah. But if you're with someone, I think that pressure turns out better because there's two people writing. You can take a break from each other when you're both glassy at an exhausted. You can exchange mm-hmm. papers and like have a social encounter. Like, and, and, and that's more rejuvenating for me. So that's what I've been dealing with recently. Like I, I really want to sit down and just like, like I cannot wait for the week off of break because I just want to sit down and like recalibrate all my writing stuff when I'm off school because school takes up such a, an absurd majority of the time. So is it, would you say at this point, um, it's it's a little harder for you to write by yourself now. Like you can't yeah. can't really do it. I think I think so. Yeah, I I, I genuinely feel, and I think that also part of it is just like my writing is less introspective and more sort of exploratory of how I perceive the world yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I'm not writing about like just an intrinsic emotion, like I'm not writing about someone loving. Yeah, someone. I feel like that's something you can do and privately as well just as easily yeah. as being introspective um but uh but my writing isn't that introspective really like the 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 main character that you or like the the point of view that you see anytime i write something is essentially the character that's noticing how weird the world is mm-hmm. now that's kind of my character so like i don't know writing that in a private setting feels weird so like I would go to coffee shop and I would go to like Amelie's, which is like twenty four hour, and I would spend like six hours there and I would come up with something. Yeah. Because uh, I would just be watching people and just be like, oh, that dude said a weird thing, and I wonder how that feels. Like I feel shitty about that guy. Fuck mm-hmm. that guy. He's wearing khaki shorts in like winter. And so like all of those like tiny thoughts, even though they're not related to anything that I'm writing, they help sort of create. Pe- the so people people watching is a good source yeah. for you. At least for me, yeah. Yeah. Me, it really helps a lot. I don't think I've ever really tried people watching. I think one time I went to the mall. And uh, just went by myself and uh, had like, you know, an afternoon with nothing to do. And I went and sat in the food court for two hours and just wrote about what I saw. Um, But I never went back. But I remember doing it. uh, It was probably early last year. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I feel like when you create, you can just create a simple scenario based off of how someone might look. Uh, yeah. Like oh where are they going oh what ha- what did they what ha- what just happened to them yeah. are they sad did someone break their heart why why yeah. did they leave that room just now yeah why is he here why is he at this mall <laughs> what does he need I think I think my favorite my favorite thing to do when like talking with people is like someone says something and their the the voice and their inflect like the language that they use is saying one thing mm-hmm. but their voice the way that they said it is saying another completely different thing. Like, I love when I ask someone how they're doing. And it's like, hey, man, how you doing? And he's just like, I'm f- fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, that stutter at the beginning of fine, just like, I'm f- fine. <laughs> like, that fucking gold to me. Because I know that they're not. Pull up a chair. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, I know Tell that they're not. And I just go like, you sure about that? And then just go like, <sighs> no. And they walk away. Uh-huh. That is, for me, the best interaction I have. On a daily basis. That's great. I love going to like, there's this one person at school uh, where like I ask how they're doing every day and they just go like, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just such an honest interaction that I just want to, whatever that dude's going through, I want to look at it. I want to <laughs> see what's happening in his life. <laughs> respect. So that, that's, that, that's kind of like writing by myself has definitely been more of a challenge than mm-hmm. if I sit down and I accidentally pressed pause on that recording. <laughs> it's okay. Because uh, my hand uh, likes to move when I talk because I'm Hispanic. <laughs> anyway. <Get> really motive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like like the, the, the writing by myself has been a challenge. And I think, I think that, you know, uh, ultimately 
while I do write by myself, like at work and stuff, um, I see a, I see a limit there. Yeah. I don't, there's only so much I can really talk about. Um, well, I guess life is happening every single day, so there's never a short of a journalistic entry. But right. I guess if I want to do more, I think I need to be more involved with like a writing group. Yeah. And um, recently, like a couple of days ago, uh, I was feeling, you know, my usual angry self just because I don't think I have been working hard enough because, you know, I recently graduated from film school and Brian, you're still there for the time being. Yeah, and, until December. Okay. And uh, after school ended, I didn't do anything. I didn't really, it just got, I just missed the immersion a lot. Yeah. Uh, I missed being around other creative people and I, it was like my a great time for me to be social as well, um, and I made you know obviously great friendships and met really interesting, cool people with a bunch of different takes on filmmaking, and it was yeah. refreshing and awesome. So to leave that was not a good time. Yeah, um, no, it, it's definitely like and that's you try the one to stay thing I connect, about the school. You know, I mean, you try to stay connected to, um, but eventually you're kind of on your own, and you got to just figure it out from there. But yeah. uh, Luckily, I think everyone, I think any aspiring filmmaker should, is it necessary for film school? Absolutely not. But you should, I would uh, suggest going for the immersion. Uh, the the environment of. is really the mm-hmm. best thing about film school. Because I feel like the school has taught me everything I need yeah. to know at this point. Like in terms of like Ranking their classes can't teach me anything else. And I mean, ranking yeah. our school amongst other s- film schools, it's, I mean, let's. I don't it's know how great. you feel. It's no. not. It's not great, yeah. but it's the people. It's the. It's the classmates. Yeah, it's the environment. It's the having cameras to be able to rent out yeah. the, the thing, which I'm. Which I made my peace with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm totally fine with it. If I go for a master's, I'll definitely go for somewhere. Somewhere like else, yeah. where I have to like buy a house to go to school. You nice. Know, like, like yeah. Just hey, you want to buy a house or you want to go to school? Pick one. Gotcha. That's kind of like like, <laughs> which is <laughs> whatever. Um, but that, that's kind of the vibe, yeah. Like, like surrounding yourself with creative people helps immensely. And and I'm definitely one of those writers that, and 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 I'm, I'm I take a lot after Dan Harmon in terms of like his philosophy on writing. Uh, and and he seems like the kind of guy that yeah he can sit in a room and write for like twenty pages and just get them out. But uh, and I need to be better at that. But I feel like like the type of conversationalist that he is and the type of person that speaks those ideas and the way that he talks and everything. I just feel like he's also one of those people that, f- like, like are more fluid in a writing group environment because he can just ramble, and then come up with something on the spot and then iron that out until something works better, and uh, and, and I think that's kind of like that's that's why I've started playing D and D and that's why I've started sort of trying to get groups together of people to do it and I'm writing this Mr. Clean script, which sounds ridiculous as a sentence by itself, but I'm writing a uh, writing a script, it's a short film about Mr. Clean. And uh, only, I wrote that alone in a night because I was there, but I want to get more people involved in the writing process because there's something in that story that I think can be expanded upon that I can't do, that I can't see it. Because for me, that story is done. But for other people read it and they go, like, that story is not done. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, that story was a joke. At the end of the script, it was a, it was a pun. <laughs> mm-hmm. But for other, other people see it and they go, like, oh, no, there's something here that could really be expanded upon. And, and, and yeah. I need that kind of person and i think that was something that i really wanted us to push forward with uh last week when i was angry and i you know was upset with no more film school so i I reached out to brian 
and was like, dude, like, I mean, not verbatim, but I said, are you just tired of not doing it? Yeah. Aren't you just like, we, I haven't made, haven't worked on a film since, you know, June. I and I, and well, neither have I. Like, yeah. I mean, and I was like, there's no fucking excuse. Yeah. There's absolutely zero excuse. So I was like, I want to take myself way more seriously. So you have brought this Mr. Clean script to me before yeah. and you brought it back again recently. And I was like, you know, I was already thinking about asking you and Chris, like, hey, let's, let's work again. Let's, let's, let's create something again. Yeah. Um, and you, I, you brought up the script to me pretty much at the exact same time I thought this. And so I think that's something you've been, definitely been working on recently. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it a little bit more. I've been doing so it's like, more so of a, uh, it's like a parody of Mr. Yeah. Clean. Well, I, I, I found it really funny. And this is how, this is how this idea happened. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be weird. I just saw like a picture of Mr. Clean <laughs> somewhere. But it was a really old picture. It was on Reddit, and it was like when Mr. Clean first happened. He looks like he does some sketch yeah. shit. Like that's that's when right, he crosses yeah. his arms and smirks like that, <laughs> with like, that little like gold, with that little gold hoop earring. There's a troubled past, <laughs> there dude. There is a troubled past there. <laughs> there absolutely. Is. How did he get here? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and did that life leave him? Yeah. Oh, did he? Because is he a, is he a TV commercial guy? Because that life fucked him up and rehabilitated <laughs> or see a TV commercial guy in hopes that he doesn't get to that life. Cause he saw someone else get to that life. Like those questions are things that happen every time uh-huh. I see Mr. Clean's dumb fucking white ass face on, on a screen. <laughs> There's a, I liked the, uh, <laughs> see you have more of a pun ending idea uh-huh. for it to where you mentioned that his roommate. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So my, my my script starts with Mr. Clean sadly standing in a green room. Going through the same rigmarole. Going through the same motion of every commercial, the mm-hmm. same routine, the same thing, because it pays the bill. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that crosses his arms, nods and winks at you <laughs> in clean. a Mr. Clean commercial. And wipes a stain. And wipes a stain. That's what he does. He's that guy. Every commercial shoot that he does is the same oh, Wait, thing. he doesn't even... Does he act... Does, does the actual... It's usually like some white lady that wipes the wine <laughs> off... The counter, and, and all kinda, he does is cross his arms. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a cushy job, but how long can you do it before something snaps? He's just you the know? face of the company, so <laughs> he doesn't even clean it. No, he doesn't. Uh, and and uh, so he starts in like a commercial shoot, getting all sad because it's, uh, it's just like, fuck, gotta go through this again. He goes, I some douchey director makes another joke about him being clean. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're gonna do this in one take. Well, if you do this as clean as you always do. And it's just like, ah, oh, fucking kill myself. Like, that's his monologue <laughs> inside. And, like, I just love the idea of Mr. Clean existing in the real world, mm-hmm. having a real life, and having to go through real people things. Not as a, as a realistic version of Mr. Clean, but as Mr. Clean. And I thought that was just fucking interesting. Because it's weird. Because it's, it's mm-hmm. like, what does Mr. Clean's life look like? Like, he wears all white, and he's walking around outside. He's, he stands out. People are going to talk to him. Everything's going to be a joke about him being clean because it's Mr. Clean. Yeah. If I had that life, I would kill myself on the spot. <laughs> it's just what I'm saying. <laughs> like if every time I walked into like a cashier and like the counter was dirty and like the cashier apologized to me and said, oh, sorry, it's dirty right there. And someone told me that every single time I went to a cashier, I would fucking kill myself on their counter. See, what I liked about your script idea was, you know, you had all this stuff. You had that, you know, okay, it's, 
he's still clocking in and doing right. this same shit for another cleaning supply. And then he goes and lives his daily life, which I love. I would love yeah. for that to be like in a short film to where Mr. Clean in 80s acid-washed blue jeans and a white <laughs> tank top yeah. is just walk. Is it a tank top? Does he wear like a white t-shirt? He wears beater? a white t-shirt. Just white a t-shirt. t-shirt. That's right. And he just starts walking through the grocery store or waiting in traffic. That's great. The only part where I felt like I got a little lost Mm -hmm. was this random, his brother or his roommate. It's his brother. It's his brother. It's like like Robert Clean. At the end, it's just his his brother is (laughs) apparently a heroin addict. Talk about mood change. (laughs) Is apparently a heroin addict and is dead. Right, and, and and this is like this is I gotta the, tell you, Brian, yeah. you got a heavy emphasis <laughs> on suicide, man. Listen, uh, <laughs> it's a little. I mean, it, it's a real issue, and it's yeah. great to talk about it. <laughs> I'm noticing a trend <laughs> in everything I've worked on with Brian. Well, here's here's the thing. I I, I think that that like like I've been depressed, and I had suicidal yeah, ideation. Uh, and, and and I've never wanted to kill myself, but mm-hmm. there's times, uh, there's been times where I just like, I could fucking do it mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And I wouldn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, but every time I had that, I just, I, I thought of something funny. Like the idea of killing myself over the thing that I wanted to kill myself over seemed funny to me because mm-hmm. it's never as significant as you think it is. Yeah. Like I think one time, like one of the, the saddest times I've ever gotten and just like it just hit me like a brick. It was just like one time I I wanted I really wanted a particular type of coffee, and I couldn't get. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm listening. And I, <laughs> it's fine. It's hilarious. And I couldn't get the particular type of coffee. It was like a particularly like expensive brand of mm-hmm. coffee. And mm-hmm. I had the money to get the coffee, and I've had a rough week, and I just wanted that coffee. And they didn't have it at the shop where I went to go get it. What's the next step? And like, the, and like genuinely, the thought that flashed across my brain was, oh, just go to the bleach aisle and just buy that. Like, that was the thought. Uh, and I can't say that that was a joke the moment I thought it. But then after I thought it, I just went like, what the fuck am I doing? This is ridiculous. So I just left. So I've always kind of dealt with that ideology. It's just yeah. with, with something funny. My thing is... It's not that I guess suicide was the wrong ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just the fact that it happened to this otherwise totally irrelevant character. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. Just threw me off. Yeah. Um, because it was a joke. Because the joke for the script was that Mister Clean, the guy that cleans everything, couldn't clean up his drug addicted brother. I think more of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that, but I think, I guess, <sighs> it. I maybe it just makes more sense to me if. He himself was the one that had the problems. And I also, I think I mentioned this last time we talked about it, uh, because it's been an idea of yours for like two years now at least. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, 2016 was when I wrote this fucking thing. And you, um, I like the idea of in some way his, (laughs) the definition cleaning, Mr. Mm -hmm. Mr. Clean, is used for more sinister purposes. Like he's a uh, money launderer right. trying to clean this mob man, this mob boss's money. The uh, idea of him getting stuck in illicit activity, which, which in turn keeps the story, you know, going, and you can add in 
<laughs> I guess more of an emotional involvement with it. Uh, when you mentioned that, he wants to get away from this life. Maybe not money laundering. He wants to clean up. Yeah, something. Yeah, he wants to clean up more his life. criminal activity. You know, like clean getting rid of wife. bodies, clean up like like mob hits or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like his 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 <laughs> his abilities are used for other means as well. <laughs> that's that's see that's interesting to me. I think that can be expanded upon. I absolutely I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. The the reason why it has that sort of suicide funny yeah. ending. It's because when I wrote it in one night, and I haven't looked at it since I wrote it. Like, mm-hmm. I wrote it in that one night. And the reason it started, I just saw a picture of Mr. Clean. And then it's like, <laughs> he can't clean everything, mm-hmm. can he? Like, he can't clean a heroin addict. <laughs> like, he's not. <laughs> like, that, this is genuinely my thought process. He like, doesn't, yeah, he's. Clean. Yeah, he can't clean. He can clean a drug addict. He can clean a heroin addict. He's probably so he, got a brother that's a heroin addict right now. He's just totally socially inept and doesn't know how to <laughs> right. handle intense situations like that. And, and, and I just like the idea of Mr. Clean not being able to clean everything, but that has, you know, that having a connotation of like tragedy attached mm-hmm. to it because mm-hmm. he's the guy that cleans stuff. Why can't you clean your brother from a heroin addict? You know, like that for me hinted at a, at a personal failure for Mr. Clean. I guess, I guess it was. Uh, it's the finality of it. I think it comes too soon. I feel I, I agree. Um, I absolutely agree. He just goes home after a day, a long day of work, and sees that. Yeah. Um, I think it can definitely still be an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give, but there can be. There needs to be, I guess, something else after he's gone, off, gotten off work, that makes the emotional impact of his, of the death of his brother, right more. I, I, d- I guess it, but maybe if you're wanting more of a dark comedy approach mm-hmm. to it, then it needs to be more sudden. I don't know. Um, yeah, like like the like it's, I I, I, get, I think I get what you're saying. Like like he walks into the room, his brother dies right there, <laughs> or, or or something yeah. else really small mm-hmm. afterwards happens. And uh, but I but I also like the idea because I just kind of wrote that sudden endly, and like mm-hmm. the the last line in the script is like, "Why couldn't I clean you?" And Mr. <laughs> clean says that to his brother, <laughs> which fucking gets to me every time I read it. Um, but I also like the idea of it being an end. Like, like I like this is thing in, in that I've really enjoyed recently at a cinema, and it's anticlimax. So I like the idea of setting up for like a heavy joke, and then just not delivering the joke, mm-hmm. just delivering a complete disappointment of that joke. <laughs> and 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 I and I don't know why that fascinates me, but that really does. When people expect something really big. And then, like like Star Wars, when people expected the fight against Snoke to come up like as this huge, amazing blowout, fuck you, flashy scene, and it's just like, oh, yeah, and then it kills him. Like th- that fucking that had me rolling. So, is there something in Mister Clean that you're wanting people to expect to happen, and the actual punchline part is the death of the brother? I think that the fact that it happened so suddenly, for me was the anti-joke. Because I'm making people, in the script, I'm making people sit through 30-second shots of this man walking through a parking lot, wearing all white, going to a shop. And I think, like, the buildup of those shots in the script and then the sudden death of, like, his brother, just kind of like, oh, you sat through four minutes and 30 seconds of nothing that mattered mm-hmm. for what happened. That, and, 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 and for me, that's, and that's a weird philosophy to get across, and it's not the best storytelling metaphor. But when I wrote this thing, I wasn't writing it to make it. I was writing yeah, it to get an idea. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. It's a fun thing uh, to think about. But now that I'm writing to make it, I want to expand on it. I want to mm-hmm. know, like, all right, what things work out of that element and what can I make this to be more audience palatable? 
But is there I, is that scene something you want to keep? Do you want to keep the death of his brother? I think I do. Okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be that sudden. It doesn't necessarily have to be that... Because I don't know how long the new thing's going to be. Like, I, like, this version is, like, five pages. So, like, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be, like, five minutes, maybe four minutes. But what if the new part of it just ends up being something a little bigger, ends up being 12 pages or 20 pages, and we have a 20-minute short? Have you ever thought, what if we, it, in a way, it combined both my idea and yours where this sketchy cleaning lifestyle mm-hmm. he's a part of gets his brother killed that's also like a, that's also one of the possible landings mm-hmm. i was thinking like he him and his brother his like well less known brother who's still part of the clean family so yeah. he still wears all white mm-hmm. um they work in the same like mob cleaning business or something like that and then uh he, he that gets his brother killed for some reason and then now mr clean has to deal with that aftermath and then Maybe like try to get revenge on who killed them, or trying to live his daily life without like living with the tragedy that he killed his brother, or mm-hmm. trying to get out of the business and clean up his life. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines, I think, works really well. Like the brother, like in my version that I have finished, the brother is the it's the it's, that's it. But I think that in this like the newer version, I would like the brother to be the catalyst of something, like to for to for the brother to be the thing that makes the story happen further instead of just being the ending okay so maybe not having it end with right the death but it leads to but it leads to something a little bit more dramatic yeah a little bit more subtle Mm -hmm. that's still on the funny side because at that point i'm abandoning a sense of reality for the sense of absurdity that comes with mr clean having to deal with the tragedy of a drug addicted brother (laughs) it's more in the vein of like spider-man and batman where Right. Yeah. <laughs> he sees the drugs, the scene that killed his brother. So now he's gonna go clean up the streets. Right. And <laughs> wouldn't that be fucking hilarious? Just having Mrs. Mr. Clean throwing like like bleach covered sponges at people. You know, like that's a funny like a fucking thought. And so like that was the, that was the thing. And I really want to sit down to a writing room and like get yeah. these ideas out on like a whiteboard and go like, all right, this is what I like. I really like this. I like the brother being a catalyst. Should we show that at the beginning? Like, like finding the narrative elements that would work for this type of short. This, I guess, I don't want to ruin the mood, mm-hmm. but when you are wanting to film something like this, and this is just because of my ignorance to the mm-hmm. whole this whole aspect of filmmaking, are we able to film Mr. Clean? Is there a licensing licensing issue? I with thought that? about that too, and I thought I'm not gonna make money off of this short. I'm clearly not doing it with the intent to make money. I just want it to be funny. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like if you upload online, I just don't monetize it. I just didn't do anything. It's strictly under parody law. Uh, so we can do it le- legally. I think they can tell us to stop. But we are under, we are covered under parody, I think. Can you put, like, a parody film into, like, a film festival or something like that? Do they accept stuff like that? I would I not guess it, know. I, I guess it varies. Yeah, I would not know. I'm assuming so. We don't necessarily, like... And and there's ways of getting around it. Like we don't necessarily need to call them Mister Clean. Yeah. Or or for something like we can clearly deviate that way, and that would. But there's some, I guess him being just a household name. Yeah. Is is, what makes, is, is what makes it worth filming. But I'm okay with people being like, okay, that's obviously Mister Clean. But yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. You know, so like I'm okay with the imagery, but I've been thinking about that too, and I'm not entirely sure, but I think that it's such a for me it's such an idea that feels 
the reason I want to make it is not because I think it can be particularly amazing or mind blowing. Part of the reason why I want to make it is because it's an emotional reset into the kinds of stuff that I want to do. Mm-hmm. The kind of content that I find funny is why I want to make it because it's an emotional reset into that. Immerse myself back into that emotional like content. Do you do you want to make more humor humorous things or I guess mm. not exactly a comedy but comedic elements. Yeah, like dark humor. I, I really love dark humor elements. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're they're really cool. I do because too. it's something that people don't talk about, mm-hmm. but it's something that's always there. You know, like like I'm I mean just like ten. seconds. You can seconds find ago. something funny out of anything. Yeah, yeah. So. And like ten seconds ago, I talked about like I didn't they didn't have the coffee I wanted. Just fucking buy bleach. <laughs> uh, like that's. A funny joke because it's, 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 it's an insignificant reason mm-hmm. to want to drink a violin chemical. <laughs> <laughs> Just ran out of coffee. <laughs> I have bleach at the house. Just it's taking it, very drastic measures. Yeah. Does drastic because because at the end of it, those drastic measures for like simple things are never about the simple things. There's always something that's right underneath the surface of that very simple thing mm-hmm. driving the thought. Of drinking the bleach. Mm. And let's expand on it. And, yeah. And those are the things that I that I want to focus on, but I never want to talk about the sad thing. You know? Yeah. I never want to make that the forefront of the story. Just really change the t- the, the but, tone, I guess. You don't you don't want to do that. Well, I want people that that, that are with the thought process mm. to understand the thought process. And people that don't understand why this is funny to not understand it. What you describe uh, it, it reminds me a lot of. I really, I'm sure you've seen it. The end of the fucking world. I haven't seen Netflix. it yet, but I've seen See, it a lot of See, that's that. What you describe is yeah. reminds me very much of that show. Um, it's actually incredibly morbid, and just <laughs> these two sociopaths are infatuated with each other. Right. But one guy, the whole entire time, wants to kill the girl. Right. He just thinks he's a psychopath because. <laughs> He had he would like stab animals when he was a little kid, but the entire time they're even explaining his fucked up childhood mm-hmm. and um, playing his mother like kill him, playing his him. yeah, playing his yeah. inner monologue. It's also <laughs> hilarious, <laughs> and that's so interesting to me that when you can, I love when you can do that. I guess that's I guess that's black humor. Yeah, that yeah. that is the essence of dark comedy. The idea that I, th- I think I like making people uncomfortable. But I like people that can laugh within that uncomfortability. Yeah. And so dark humor is essentially that. It's, a, it's being able to take out a really fucked up situation and go mm-hmm. like, all right, listen, I know that dude's like dead now, but that was a pretty sweet backflip off of that building. <laughs> you know, like, like being able to say that sentence mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it's a coping mechanism, but it's also a way to engage other mm-hmm. people, like people that, that think like that. Like in Bruges is one of my favorite movies. In a way, it's therapeutic, I guess. Yeah. It, it's cathartic. It, it's absolutely it, yeah. cathartic. Uh, in Bruges is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's my favorite movie. Uh, Colin Farrell, uh, I forgot the dude's name, uh, but Martin McDonough directed it. Have you seen it? Oh, you're Brandon Gleason. Yeah, Bren- no, no, it's not uh, Brendan Gleason's dad. I think that's, that's yeah. Bren- Brendan Gleason, something like that. Okay, yeah. I don't know if it's Brendan. I know you're talking about that. Yeah, maybe it's guy. Jack Gleason. I can't remember something like that. He's fucking cool. Um, but uh, there's a scene in that movie where Colin Farrell's character wants to kill himself because he killed a kid. In an, in an assassination job, he wants to kill himself, but then uh, the other character's boss sends them an order to kill Colin Farrell's character. So, like, uh, the 
his his like the other character is going to Colin Farrell to kill him, holding a gun in his hand with a silencer, and then Colin Farrell sitting in a park bench, holding a revolver to his head, about to kill himself. And as this guy walks up, he he sees the gun in Colin Farrell's head. And I was like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? You can't kill yourself. And then Colin Farrell notices the gun in his hand. It's like you were gonna fucking kill me. And it's just like, yeah, but you can't kill yourself like that. Whole interaction. That's great. It's just really funny to me. I definitely see you taking a lot of influence from Martin McDonough. Yeah. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, McDonough. Martin McDonough. He's absolutely a, <laughs> got such a dark good. comedy mastermind. That's and, all, all. Oh my god! And three, three billboards. Three billboards. <laughs> when fucking just, just covered in it. When fucking Woody Harrelson's character like killed himself. Killed himself. Yeah, you're now. Ne- it's never a really a somber moment. No, I la- I I actually laughed really hard when he killed himself. I don't know if you noticed, but I was next to it. I just went like, because <laughs> it's it was such a weird moment for the film. Like I wasn't expecting it. And yeah. I, I love that kind of humor. So I think that's that, that's the kind of content that I really want to do. And finding ways to assault, like to you know just come back to that with the Mr. Clean script. I think is a good idea. Do you think that writers and filmmakers, uh, do you think there's this heavy wave currently of taking yourself way too seriously? I think so, yeah. I um, absolutely think so. Because it, it, I, I, I get, it's probably kind of an, an unpopular opinion, but I get this weird feeling sometimes that everyone is, uh, there's too many filmmakers out there trying to be woke. Like right, have these yeah. woke issues and stuff, and it's just stuff that, while these issues are important and they should always have their spotlight, I, 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 I want to see, I guess, more, better interpretations of it. It's yeah. it it's something that, it gets it feels like it gets regurgitated a, a little too much. Everyone's yeah. trying to be very serious, bring up a very, because you know our political climate's very tense tense right now. Everyone's trying to make their own point. Um, but I, I, I wonder, is, is there a need for it? Yes. Uh, but should we also, I guess... Should everyone I, do should it? Should everyone do it? And I don't think everyone does do it. I'm, I'm, I'm having, trouble, having trouble describing how I'm feeling about mm-hmm. it, but I, I mean, think... It's just a little oversaturation, and there's a little too much of it in the market yeah. right now. And I think it's a problem, uh, mainly because of three things. One, it influences writers that are not quite there yet, but now they say, oh, this is what's selling, so I'm going to make it. Yeah. And it kind of stifles innovation. And that happens with any trend. You know, that happens with superhero movies. That happened with uh, the blue and orange, the teal and orange, like, color scheme that all every movie had in the early 2000s, uh, every action movie. I guess if you're, you know, I want to get back to your other two yeah, points, yeah, but I guess you can still be, quote, unquote, woke, woke. uh by means of a different genre of film Mm -hmm. besides just a drama because I think any great storyteller can bring up a tell a fantasy story that is very relevant to today's society hell Mad Max was I love Mad Max feminist back Mad Max you know hard because it it proved a lot of it I guess showed a lot of uh, ideals that feminist believe in or practice so i guess there is still a a good way to show these things uh, and 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 get out is a really good example of that Mm -hmm. i think because get out at the core uh, at at its core it's a movie about you know racism and this sort of it was funny 
Yeah, yeah, the yeah. idea of like racism and how like white people are constantly taken from black culture, mm-hmm. and like and and and, and he literalized that in the movie. It's just black white people are just taking black people's bodies and living mm-hmm. in their lives, and I think and that's a really important thing to talk about, but it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have yeah, to be sad. Yeah, the straight up dramas yeah. that are about someone just. Or a book. There's mm-hmm. there's a, a, a book recently, I can't remember. It's just about a, a police shooting, and she's got to make the right decision. Um, every th- everything I hate, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I, My I, friend was reading it the other day. Yeah. And, and I, I guess that is very that can be very great for mm-hmm. anyone who has definitely felt <clears throat> feelings like that towards uh, police officers or yeah. from vice versa, from... They, those those kind of stories have a place, yeah. And I think that they're it's great that people are making them. Mm-hmm. But also, I think we need fresh ways to look at the very same ideas, and we need something fresh to look at. Like, oh, if you want to look at a police shooting, uh, why don't you write a story about not the police shooting itself, but someone that falls in love with someone they met at a protest for the police shooting? Mm-hmm. And you have the environment, you have the social setting. And you have the conflicts and the catalyst for that relationship, but it's not the movie's not about the police shooting. The movie's just talking about the issues, but yeah. it's really about these two characters growing mm-hmm. and what they get out of that protest for the police shooting and why they were there. Or if you're writing a, a gay romance, instead of writing about the fact that they fall in love, why not write about what they have to deal with? Or like if, instead of writing about like why they fall in love and making their relationship exclusively about the way that they fall in love, what issues of identity are they dealing with? I think catalyst, your, your word catalyst is, is very vital yeah. here. Um, I'm a big fan of like Richard Linklater and um, no uh, one. Remind me what he. He's done Boyhood, okay. which took like 12 years to make. Yeah. He's made um, the Before Trilogy with okay. Ethan Hawke. I haven't seen them though, no, but I. they are like at the top of everyone's uh, list list for his stuff. Uh, he made, um, he recently made Everybody Wants Some, but he recently his most recent film is uh, he he writes dialogue mm-hmm. flawlessly. If he his first movie, I don't know if it was his first, but he made a movie called Slacker, mm-hmm. which was just oh yeah, I heard Kevin I, Smith talk about that movie. Yeah, that's like the movie yeah. that inspired him to become a filmmaker, yeah. and that's just constantly, it's just constant uh, switching from main. It just switches main characters throughout the whole film, and they're just talking with each other. Mm-hmm. It just I think it's just the day in the life of. Citizens of Austin, Texas, I think. Okay. But uh, I went I veered off track a little bit. But his most recent film, Last Flag Flying, um, it's got Steve Carell, Brian Cranston, and Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell, oh, Steve Carell's yeah. son dies. Oh, I, I thought you meant like like actual Steve. Carell. Oh no no no, his character. I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen it, but I really I, I know uh, all about it. Um, it looked plot. like a really funny movie. See, they used the Af- uh, the war in Iraq. The movie mm-hmm. takes place in 2003. They used the war in Afghanistan. I'm sorry. I'm not I think it's Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, Steve Carell's son dies in that war. Mm-hmm. And it's not really about coming to terms. Well, he's com- I guess he's coming to terms with the death of his son. Mm-hmm. But he's also reuniting with old buddies that he met in the military and they yeah. are traveling with him to go and give his son a proper burial. Cause I think right. they want to bury the son, the, like the military, the, the military wants to bury put him, him in Arlington. They want to put him in Arlington or something. Yeah. And he wants to take it back home to have like a more private wedding. Yeah. 
So they use that. They use the. Funeral they use order. a very you know woke issue, mm-hmm. and they use it as a catalyst to th- I guess talk about. I think more about the friendship between these three characters, right. and also coming to terms with the brutality of war. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just a fresh take. I'm not describing it very well. No, but but I think I, I think I know what you're saying. I, I know what you meant. Like using using an event that's politically relevant or, or politically significant mm-hmm. to start off a start more something else. Story. Yeah, uh, those things. Are, that's a really good way to do it. So like, Get Out at the end, of, like it starts off as this like movie, really about. Uh, I think Get Out doesn't reverse really, where it starts out as an intimate movie that deals with issues of the guy being worried about being, you know, discriminated against by the girlfriend's white family, mm-hmm. and then it just straight up turns into this horror comedy about. It it, it, it turns into this horror heavy element about you know racism and what black people have to deal with in culture. And and I think that's punctuated by the ending of the movie, which is like, you know, the, the character seeing the cop car and then realizing, oh, fuck, I'm strangling a white girl. I'm going to die right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Get Out does it backwards, but I think it does the same thing. It uses racial tension as a catalyst for telling that particular character's story and not necessarily using that guy as an avatar for the entire context of racism. Like, it's just a story of someone that's partaking or that's participating in that context, whether he likes it or not. And that's different than if there was a movie about, you know, at the end of the movie, like, oh, it made some huge r- racial, you know, related statement, mm-hmm. uh, other than just keeping it private to that character. I think, I, think you're ri- I think you're right in what you're saying. Like, the catalyst matters. Like, if you're, if you're doing a big event, like, let's take the Stonewall riots. Like, I would love to see a movie about the Stonewall riots where two gay characters fall in love in the riot, and then... But the, that's the catalyst of it, and that's not the exploration of their thing. Like, they fall in love there, they met in this really political thing, and their whole relationship has been sort of driven by this need to politicize or be involved in this political movement. But once the relationship gets more intimate, you start getting more distant from that political agenda because your main character wants to be less involved with that and more involved with the person. And that's a good way to do sort of extra trajectory, like if you're starting with like something that's like heavily politicized in your writing and then you want to move it to a much more personal level exactly keep your view with the main character and just change the main character's focus but you don't necessarily have to ignore the political thing that's happening in yeah that, and that should yeah. never go away in storytelling because it's, it's relevant to today yeah. it, it, it should be told i think also think it's great to have movies that are an escape from it all yeah and and, and there's certainly a market to make right stories like that but if you I guess want to hit a bigger market market too. It's mm-hmm. it's important to make those kind of movies. Make those kind of films, yeah. It's just like you said, it needs to veer into other directions too. Mm-hmm. It needs to not just be about this issue because yeah. I think there's too much. I I, I absolutely agree. I think agree. there's way too much. And and I think part and of it's not fun. It, it it makes it makes filmmaking seem like a a big weird <clears throat> like intellectual competition who yeah. who's more informed and who can make and the other guy who made the better message who or who can make the, the most script. inspiring yeah. thing and 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 there's absolutely room for those there's room for this whole and they're fantastic space. movies yeah. too the, you know that's that's a big that's big oscar bait right they, there like that's everything that gets nominated usually dealing and, with and very that's, and that's one of my biggest problems with the academy with the academies coming up it's just that that sort of their emphasis on dramas yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I get it. They're interesting stories, but 
Uh, Swiss Army Man is probably one of the most fascinating movies that I've seen in the last, what, five years? Like, it's just an interesting movie because the filmmaking is so unique. But people are not going to take it seriously because it's a 40 and they can't. Yeah and, yeah, and I think there has to be, I guess, some sort of... Um, some sort of shield is up mm-hmm. in a way. Um, I think I've <laughs> trailed off in my own thought, but <laughs> I heard when that happened. Swiss Army Man is ridiculous, yeah. but it also sheds light on what it's like to be depressed and yep. feel incredibly alone yep. and unloved by family or mm-hmm. in a in love in any way. And I thought if you can get past the absurdity of it. It says a great. It tells a great story, and the fact that stuff like that, and with the special effects, like how cool it looked, mm-hmm. the fact that I, I think there's some sort of, not, I guess not shield, but a filter mm-hmm. that people that judge these Oscars are putting on themselves when they and they focus more on more conventional style films, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, it's not easy to make a movie, but it's easy to point a camera at someone and hear them talk. Yeah. And and despite the there's issues. Not, of, there's a lack of imagination yeah. at the Academy, absolutely. I absolutely agree. And then just in movies in general, like I think my, my favorite movies that have come out have been kind of the weird ones. I've been like the Martin McDonough movies, the Swiss Army Man movies, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like, uh, what was that movie with Adam Driver that you didn't like a lot? Logan Lucky? Like, mm-hmm. I love Logan Lucky because it was such an interesting take on the classic, like, family heist movie. Yeah. It was just something different in the same market as those movies. And it just, it broke the mold. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that particularly me and my own writing, too, which is why I, wrote, I write things about, you know, people killing themselves or people being depressed or people killing somebody else without wanting to and having to deal with that or people falling in love with someone that absolutely breaks their heart. It's because while in, in those things are not necessarily unconventional, the way that I would like to tell them, I want to make people have to think about them in virtue of making, like I want them to accept the fact that it's uncomfortable. And I want them to accept the fact that they have to look at it in the eye. And I think that's why Mr. Clean is such a funny idea to me. Because it's someone that by any means doesn't exist in reality as people's. It doesn't, it doesn't exist in people's reality as someone that exists. But what if I made him someone that exists in your reality? And then you saw his life go down the way that it did after his brother's death. Mm-hmm. And then you have to deal with that. And you have to deal with, like, he's a very successful person. Everyone thinks he's successful because he's Mr. Clean. But he's not. He's not that successful. He has, he's got his own tragedies. And that's kind of, uh, I think, a sentiment that I've struggled with my whole life. Because when I was tiny, people told me that I was good at everything. People told me that I was really smart. And so that created a lack of discipline mm-hmm. in work. Because I didn't have to work for anything. Because I could just wait until the last minute and do it. Because I was fucking smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, that's, it's, it's a, a, I think that particular story is an emulation of that. The way that it's headed. It's just like, well, he's Mr. Clean. Of course he's going to do it. And it's going to come out fine. Yeah, he's got a squeaky clean lifestyle. Yeah. Right. But, but so then how do you deal with do disappointment? Little do you know. Yeah. Right. How do you deal with this disappointment? That comes with everyone thinking that you have that squeaky clean lifestyle, but you don't. And so, like, that's why I think Mr. Clean is an interesting mm-hmm. avatar for that. Mm-hmm. But that concept makes people uncomfortable because people don't want to admit that they created someone or they created the environment for someone to be so severely depressed. Okay. And, and so, like, those movies, like, I want to offend people. I, the concept of suicide is offensive. The concept of depression is offensive because people don't want to think about it. And I, I think that my idea in writing is just kind of like, 
no, 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 no. Look it in the eye. Be uncomfortable. Accept that it's uncomfortable, and then see what you come up with. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like why I think that uh, that idea sort of resonates with me, and why I brought it back. I brought it back after like, a sad night. <laughs> Because I was like feeling really sad, and I was just like, "Ah, fuck! What's something that makes me laugh?" And I found that, and I'm just like, "I'm gonna make that." Mm-hmm. And and I think I think that's particularly why. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. I I definitely hope in um, future episodes we mm-hmm. can keep developing it and working on it. And, yeah. Uh, For sure. Having, I, I, having more, we want to have more like private writing sessions too. For we, sure. And, and develop more stuff. I started doing the pre-production and I started doing the compositional references and all cool. that shit. I have the, sli- the slides. That we just gotta, if, if we work on it together, mm-hmm. we just gotta nail a good, a good script for it. Yeah. I, I think figure I'll out where we want this brother's death to be. Right. And what we want this, what road we what want we this want to, to lead them down. Yeah, absolutely. So I know, um, I know we're probably going to end it in just a minute, but mm-hmm. I, I've also been working on a, a, a small idea. I won't uh, ramble about it too much, oh, but I, I ramble about mine for no. like 25 minutes. <laughs> um, I want to, I wanted to include, have tell a story about uh, a couple that um, I guess is having a lot of problems mm-hmm. um, with their relationship. And in some way, I think in some way this man um, leads a very, troubled lifestyle mm-hmm. and a, I guess a very sketchy lifestyle and uh, in no way does this sketchy lifestyle lead to the demise of his relationship because right. the relationship ends in this story but he loses his fr- his girlfriend mm-hmm. or wife whatever for or boyfriend mm-hmm. I don't know we'll think about it uh, <laughs> for, re- for reasons totally unrelated to his lifestyle and he wants to, he misses her, wants to get her back, but his lifestyle, one thing that was very treasured between these two people was their dog. Right. For some reason, I just, they, they, their dog was like the, the, the mold that really kept them together. Right. They loved each other, but things kind of went sour, but they've always had love for the dog. And I guess... At the end, at, during the breakup, the dog went to go stay with uh, the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's her dog, uh, originally, I guess. Right. And so, and this is just a definitely a rough outline, but uh, <laughs> somehow this man's previously mentioned uh, sketchy lifestyle mm-hmm. leads to the capture of this dog. Now, this feels like a very corny action comp movie that yeah. I, I must have seen f- and starred Jason Statham. Um, <laughs> but I think there's something there, and I think it can turn into a little bit more violent than I, than people are thinking it's going to be. Right. And I want it to involve... The whole idea for this script emerged from a song. Right. You know of this. Yeah, it's called... It's, uh, a, it's a song called Damaged... Bo- damaged uh, no, it's called Slay the Priest. Slay the, the Priest. The song's called Slay the Priest by Damaged Bug. Right. And Damaged Bug is, is the another musician name for this guy mm-hmm. um, in, in another band called The OCs. So he went and made a solo project uh, called Damaged Bug. Nice. And... Uh, that song, man, gets, it's a fantastic song. gets your blood pumping. If Absolutely. you ever hear it, listen to Slay the Priest by Damage Bug. And uh, there's just something about the way, the intensity of the song at the very first 20 seconds yeah. that makes me think like, <laughs> someone's someone's walking. I picture somebody walking 
Yeah. And I'm like, what is this guy? But this person that's walking looks like they're going to go do some fucking dirt. Like they're right. about to do some really sketchy or intense, violent shit. And I was like, what does that guy want? And I try to think like, what if I, what if that was me? And one thing that I've always loved is my dog, right. Macy. So <laughs> She's such a sweet dog. I try to think, you know, okay. I'm that mad. I'm mad like this guy I got in my head because someone took my fucking dog. But why would they take my dog? Right. What are the stakes? And I guess in a way, saving this dog is also means saving his relationship that he's cared about so much and that he's sorry that it got it was ended. Right. And also it's just getting revenge on the people that have stole his fucking dog and also completely getting rid of getting out of this troubled lifestyle, lifestyle. Yep. so but you know what's interesting like about that. that movie is that the catalyst of the first john wick was him losing the that's dog that's right i I, yeah. I hate that i i, I, I hate that it sounds similar me <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's one of those things where like john wick is a like a like a high stakes mm-hmm. like hollywood action movie and it started because someone killed the one like it started because of the same reason that you're starting this mm-hmm. someone hurt his dog <laughs> And then he just went fucking. And so, like, like I, I, I genuinely love that idea because I also I, I've listened to the song and I listened to it one time like an hour and repeat just to try to get the vibe of the song ready. And like I have the same vision of someone walking through like a neighborhood, just like to the beat of that song. Like oh, they're about to go like, commit yeah. a crime, you know. Yep. It, you can go, you can, and I, I love that. If you are just keeping yourself open to it, you can be inspired by anything. Absolutely, you can, you can see anything hear anything and just an think idea. of something an idea is there and it can and, and it can turn into something so yep. i think if anyone's trying to be a writer or be in any type of <clears throat> storytelling field creative field you have to be just observant yeah um that's probably my process that we were trying to talk about from the very beginning it's just being observant yeah. it's just embracing a lot of Everything around you, just be getting inspired by stories, by music, by pictures, yeah, structures, architecture. It's it's just crazy. There's inspiration everywhere. So. There there really is, and I, I think that's been my favorite thing of like getting learn, getting used to thinking creatively. Mm-hmm. As when like, oh fuck, I heard someone say the like the phrase just like fuck me gently, and I'm just like, why the fuck would someone say that in the middle of a Starbucks? You know, and then just like start going around uh-huh. that. And like, I don't know, I've heard that phrase and I legitimately thought it was just like, it was like a man and a woman. And I think the lady said that and I legitimately thought they were talking about like one time that the dude like had sex with her too rough and it almost ended their relationship. And then like he would have just been out of a home and out of a job and I just like, like I just went down my drain with that scenario because I just heard the phrase like, oh, fuck me gently. Yeah. It's like, I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. I was <laughs> walking by with a stupid mochaccino giving myself diabetes. <laughs> Uh, th- those 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 things matter. I yeah. think I think we do have to be creative to a point where it hurts sometimes. Uh, <laughs> 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 Fucking knocked myself out with the mic. <laughs> it might be time to end on that. On honestly. that note, uh, I think that's that's it for today's episode. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you whenever the next one happens. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll still keep it at one a month. Yeah. Um, maybe have a guest next next time. We're, we we got to talk about it. We're yeah. just. We'll figure it out. I know that me and Going Jonathan are definitely going to start doing some of our own writing yeah. to get some of this shit made. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Talk about more of our ideas. Um, expand on them more. Yeah. <clears throat> if, 
I don't know if we even have that set up, but we need to have, we, I guess, if anyone has I, other, wants to have any kind of input mm-hmm. on an idea we're talking about or something, we should. Just like, set up, maybe, I, think, I think I should set up like some Twitter account. And yeah. Just start getting Twitter. Maybe think Instagram of a way maybe. for people to give us feedback if they're yeah. listening. I'm into that. Cool. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, this well, is good end. timing. Yeah. On that, right. the, on that bell. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy the, uh, what is it? Um, Miami Vice music at the end. And I uh, think so. I think, the, yeah, the Miami Vice is at the yeah. end. Yeah. And um, we'll see you next month. See you, bitches. Keep writing. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>